Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other, and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Good morning, everybody. I feel I'm a bit off-centre. Okay. Hi, great to be with you. Um, yeah, like Joe said, my name's Ralph. I'm married to the wonderful Laura, who is uh, not here sadly this morning. She's recovering from... Um, Breaking her bone in her foot last weekend, which is not very fun, but um, but she's doing great. She uh, um, yeah, but it's just got one of those boots. So uh, uh, driving here to church was not an option, unfortunately. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to share again this morning. It was great. Um, I love it when you get to do two weeks in a row. It's fun. And um, we are currently in a series called Resurrection Stories, and we're um, basically looking at that that bit between Jesus. Um, coming back from the dead and uh, until Pentecost. And so um, as you will all know, as students of the liturgical calendar, uh, next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday, which is very exciting. I was driving past and I saw a, a poster in a church that said Pentecost Sunday, 10th, May the 28th, 10.30 a.m. And I thought, oh, it's very nice of God to give us a time when he's going to show up. And it's just like, it's like, oh, come and the Holy Spirit will be poured out on May the 28th, 2023, 10.30 a.m. in Burnage. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if you are. Um, no, it's, it's going to be great. Phil Gorman's going to be sharing next week. And I'm um, really excited about what he's going to be bringing. And the amazing thing is we, uh, it's Pentecost every day. But um, it's great that we get to, to think about that. And um, so, yeah, we've, we've looked at lots of different things. We've looked at how Jesus, um, basically the kind of theme that I think has really emerged is how Jesus comes and meets us where we are. Um, and that's not just a physical thing that's quite often in just the sort of the headspace we're in the sort of experience we're in whether that is whether that's fear fear or doubt or disappointment um we looked last week at failure and that sense of actually Jesus meeting us where maybe we're not quite um where we thought we were would be at this point and it's just beautiful that actually that Jesus is so kind that he does come and he he, he comes and meets us and we looked at last week didn't we um you know who's chatting to Peter and he's like are you my friend? Are you my friend? And Peter's like, yes, I am. And Jesus is like, okay, let's go forward from here. And so um, if, if you take anything from this series, just that sense that wherever you find yourself, whether you feel like you're on um, top of the mountain or down in the valley, actually God wants to come and meet you there. He wants to come and um, connect with you and move forward together. Um, good morning, Puffy. <laughs> um, and so um, this morning... We are, we're continuing that theme, we're continuing, and uh, we're thinking a little bit about the ascension. So uh, again, if you know your liturgical calendar, you'll know that this past Thursday was ascension day, and so um, we're thinking a little bit about what it means um, that Jesus ascended. But I think just in all of it, kind of, um, when, just remember how amazing Jesus is. I'm not, um, that sense that he comes and meets us. That in our weakness, um, we can know him. And the beauty of the gospel is that there's nothing that can separate us from God's love. And so uh, he wants to, um, wants to break the power of sin and death in our lives. And he wants to release us into something new. And I just I feel like um, what God is doing through this series as well is he's coming to meet us, but he's commissioning us into something new. He's commissioning us into a new way of being as individuals and a new way of being as a church. And I really believe that as we look at the stuff this morning, um, hopefully that will start to make even more sense. <clears throat> so let's look at the ascension. Um, if you've got Bibles, we're in Acts 1, verses 6 to 11. 
So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising from heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. This is obviously a very famous passage. Um, we've looked at it three or four times in the last couple of months in various guises, but it's also one of those like, huh, passages, isn't it? Really? It, if you've been around church, you probably, it maybe just washes over you, but actually what, like, what's, what's going on here? Because like one moment Jesus is standing there and then he's not, um, which is not the first time that he's done this. You know, we see it early in the gospels where he, that crowd is gathering and he sort of just like miraculously passes through them. Similarly, you know, when he met the disciples in the upper room, he, he's not there and then he's there. So um, it's not like this is unusual, but it's still kind of weird. And um, and honestly, it's a bit of a mystery. I'm not going to stand here and tell you I know, I know metaphysically how this happened. But um, I think one thing that's really important is that this did happen. This is something that happened. The um, previous encounters that we've looked at the last few weeks and even some of the others that we haven't as well, like um, Jesus is, always, is almost at pains to stress how physically present he is with the disciples. You know, in, when he's talking to Thomas, he's like, come and touch me, come and feel me. When, you know, he's, he's making the guys breakfast. He's like, he's there eating fish. He's, he's be, like, he's not, he's not a ghost. He's not an image. He's not, he's not some sort of phantom. Like he's physically there. And so if he's physically there, he must physically go somewhere. And um, again, like, I don't quite know how that happens, but I think it's really important that, that we, like, this isn't just like an idea. It's not a sort of, um, it's not a myth. And it's really easy to, to mythologize stuff like this. But actually Jesus was there and then he wasn't. And uh, it, it's tricky, I think, a little bit, because if you look at verses 9 and 10, we've got um, even just that word up you know, like being taken up into a cloud. And it um, talks about how, you know, as they strain to see him rising into heaven. And you can sort of see why it almost like creates this impression of like, almost like Jesus being like beamed up. You know, that it's sort of, it, that, that's how it's written. And, and I think, it's, as with many things when we're trying to talk about God, there's just, we are trying to talk about something infinite with, with finite expression. Like there's only so much so many pictures, so many words, so many ways of saying things that are available to us. And so when we're trying to explain things that are beyond that, we will naturally reach for things that are a bit more pictorial. So like, it, you know, you know, it kind of makes sense that they were looking up and, but basically just don't get too hung up on it. But I, th I think the thing to point out is, is it really plays into that kind of popular imagery that maybe isn't so much in this room, but probably more around us. That is the idea that heaven's up there, this is earth. And if you dig down far enough, you'll find hell. And I don't think we believe that. Um, I, maybe we haven't got deep enough down there yet. But, um, and, so it, and, and those two things combined really play into making this passage feel a little kind of mythologi mythological or even, or even comical. Um, 
But um, I think it's not. <laughs> and so the, uh, even just thinking about the nature of a cloud, like Jesus was taken up into a cloud. And we've seen this cloud before. I've seen this kind of cloud before. Um, you know, it's not this like cosmic elevator that Jesus steps on and it takes him up. Like it's the same kind of thing that we were talking about when we were looking at Exodus. That actually in Exodus 16, God's presence was manifest in a pillar of cloud. Similarly, if you look in Luke 9 at the transfiguration, um, it was God's glory was present in the cloud there. And so um, what we're dealing with here is it's an interaction between heaven and earth. It isn't a zapping up or a beaming or, or a taking away of Jesus. It's, it's kind of heaven and earth interacting. And um, probably the easiest way of understanding it is not so much heaven's up there, earth's here, hell's down there. Like heaven is God's space and earth is our space. And, um, and so at the ascension, we don't witness Jesus kind of going up like into the stars we see him move fully from earth into heaven. And um, it's, it's the idea that there's this, actually there's this deeper, truer, fuller reality. Jesus himself was, was all of heaven coming and being present in earth in his person. And so the ascension is him actually all of his person then being taken up into heaven. And actually it's, it's the first step that will actually, the whole world will, will take one day. That actually the, the new eternal reality, God's, God's space, will one day welcome us all. It's the kind of stuff, you know, when we talk about one day, God's going to make all things new. Like actually heaven is going to envelop the earth. Like it's, it's all going to become as God wants. And so um, what we see at the ascension is, is Jesus is the first fruits of that. Like actually stepping fully into heaven. And perhaps here's a good point to sort of stop and ask, like, Why? Like, why did Jesus ascend? You know, it wouldn't not make sense for him, you know, having risen from the dead, coming back, being seen. Actually, now we could crack on and, and do that stuff that we were doing. You know, almost like superhero style. He could be the one to, to crack on and restore the kingdom. And, you know, sh who, could, who could argue with him now? Like, actually, if you had a problem with Jesus, he's got the ultimate trump card. And I so, I don't know, maybe that's what is in the back of the disciples' minds in verse 6. Of like, oh, surely now Jesus is the time that you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And Jesus' response is, he's like, don't worry about the details. He doesn't say that the kingdom isn't being established. He's like, you don't need to know about dates and times. That's the father's prerogative. But there is something for you to be aware of. There is something else. Something is going to happen. And that something is you are going to be filled with the spirit and you are going to be my witnesses from here to the ends of the earth. You will, be, you will be filled with my spirit and you will be my witnesses. So God is in the business of restoring the kingdom. He is in the business of restoring, rebuilding the temple, you know, creating a place on earth for his presence to dwell, a tangible place. And he's doing it through you and me. He is doing it through you and me. And that's, that's why... The, essential, the ascension is so crucial. And there's, there's lots of kind of different theological aspects to it, but the one I want to focus on today is um, this is why the ascension is so crucial because it makes the Great Commission possible. The ascension is crucial because it makes the Great Commission possible. So this is the second passage we're going to look at today. 
Matthew 28, the Great Commission. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So this is the the final bit of Matthew's gospel. It's the, you know, um, Jesus's last words to his people. Um, it's kind of, you know, you see it often in um, in any walk of life, but you know, that, when, that moment you're like, oh, this might be the last opportunity I have to talk to someone. The thing that you say to them therefore takes on almost like extra importance. It's like, oh, if you don't remember anything else, take this with you. So that's very much where we're at with the Great Commission. Like Jesus is, he's, he's preparing um, to go back to heaven and, and he's saying, this is what you need to know. And interestingly, it, um, in 1 Corinthians 15, when um, Paul writes about how Jesus appeared to um, 500 people at one time, and that was um, almost certainly at this moment where he was given the Great Commission. So there's 500 people there, and um, Jesus is there kind of commissioning them into something. He's like, yeah, if you don't remember anything else, remember this. Um, I was reading this week and heard it described as uh, these are the standing orders, like from uh, from from this moment in history until Jesus comes back and all things are made new. These are our standing orders. So if you're ever in doubt, God, what does it look like to live for you? Just go back to the Great Commission and you won't go far wrong. And so um, the first thing I want to do is just just kind of go through it. And um, it will all seem really obvious, but just unpack the nature of what this commission is. Like just because something is is obvious doesn't necessarily mean we're stepping into it. So I think it's going to be really helpful for us to look at it again this morning. So um, going back to verse 19, therefore, go. Therefore, go. So the first thing Jesus is calling us to is movement. You know, Jesus is alive. The kingdom is at hand. You know, the, the word of God will later be described as, as, a, as living and active. The kingdom's about movement. You know, and, and actually, when we're alive, we grow. And, and growth is, is change. And it's all these things that um, stuff doesn't stay still, doesn't stay static. Even if, like, thinking about, about, you know, types of water, like water that is standing water that hasn't got any inflow or outflow, just gets nasty. We have a pond in our back garden that is nasty. There is no inflow. There is no filtration. There is nothing going on, and it is not good. And so actually right at the very start of what Jesus is asking us to do is, is go, is move. Like, you're alive. I'm alive. The spirit is moving. Let's, let's go. You know, there's new ground to take. There's stuff to be stepping into. Um, one of the things I read about the ascension, you know, when the, the men of you know, the angels appear and they say, men of Galilee, what are you doing? Why are you stood staring up into sky and um, into the sky? Apparently John Stott said about that, like it was unbecoming of people who have just been told to go to the ends of the earth to stand there and look up into the sky. Like actually there was stuff for them to be getting on with. Obviously, like this, it's not a dichotomy. It's not like either or, but um, there's movement. The, the heart of the, the Great Commission is movement. The second thing is, um, therefore, go and make disciples. 
So we don't just move for movement's sake. We don't just get busy doing church stuff. The point of the movement is to go towards people and to make disciples. We move towards people in the hope and the trust that God is going to use us um, to help them be introduced to him. You know, we, we believe that actually God would have deposited something in us that is going to be of value to someone else, that would actually help them in their journey. You know, as disciples, we're, we're messengers, we're ambassadors, we're representatives. We're called to go and represent Jesus to the world around us. In, uh, in the upper room in John 20, when Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. He's, he, that was huge. He's basically like, everything that I am, you now have that and you now carry that. And as far as I'm concerned, you are going to be my representatives on the earth. And so you're going to have the same authority and the same influence. And the point of that isn't just to feel good about ourselves. It's to move towards people and introduce them to Jesus so that they too could go on a journey with him. We move towards the world so that they might be set free and transformed. The third part, and make disciples of all nations. So who is the message of the gospel for? Everyone. Absolutely everybody. It's the same Essences in Acts 1.8 when and Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Like, there is no limit, there is no restriction on who the message of God is for and who the gospel can reach. And so there should be no limit, there should be no restriction on our, um, on our movement towards people. Obviously not every single person is going to go to every single other person. But we, it's, do, we, do we think globally, like literally? Um, do we think actually that the message that Jesus has is for everyone or do we think it's for a particular location or a particular strand of society or you know particular people that share our personality types like it's for everyone fourth thing um, Jesus says baptize them baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and the Holy Spirit so the first expression of discipleship is um, belief and trust in the gospel that's accompanied by a public declaration of commitment to Jesus. Like baptism says, I believe in Jesus. I choose to turn from my sin, to repent, trusting that Jesus forgives me and I choose to live for him. It, it means I'm totally committed to being part of God's community. So the, the kind of that, that's the, the starting point. Sometimes, um, particularly, I guess, in the way, even the way that we would do baptism here and that, we, you know, it's a few times a year and it's, it's something you might build up to and invite people along to. And it, it can feel like sort of a midpoint in the journey. Uh, and actually, sometimes people think, oh, I'm not sure if I'm ready to get baptized yet. But when Jesus is talking about following him, baptism is the start. Like it's the, it's the doorway in. So that it's not like you have to have hit you know, a certain amount of Christian credits before you can get baptized. Like it's, it's, it's what you do first because it's not about you. It's not about you doing something in a certain way. It's about you saying, Jesus, you saved me. I'm living for you. I'm committed to you. I'm being part of your community. I'm in. That commitment comes at the start. But it continues. And there's the second aspect that Jesus highlights, verse 20. It says, teach them to obey my commands. So discipleship isn't just that moment. It isn't just that, yeah, I got baptized, therefore I'm a disciple. It's actually, it's a lifelong commitment 
to be changed by Jesus. And that looks like I'm going to hear what he says and I'm going to obey his commands. Jesus says, you'll love me if you obey my commands. And so even when we think about what does it mean to go towards people, it isn't just can I go and one time tell someone about God. It's actually, are there people in my life who I want to walk with and encourage and actually come under the, the lordship of Jesus and be changed and transformed? Not because that's you know, what I feel like I have to do, but because it's abundant life is found in the teaching of Jesus. And so discipleship is, is a, it's a lifelong thing. It's a, um, you know, that, that long obedience in the same direction. So that's what um, that's what it looks like for us, and that's what that's what we're asking people to come and step into. Like Jesus wants to meet you here and now, but actually He wants to walk with you through your entire life. And if we listen to Him, if we're led by Him, if we follow Him, if we allow Him to challenge us and change us, we'll be transformed, we'll be set free, and we'll be full of true eternal life. So that's that's what we're called to. You know, this is how God wants us to be in the world. He wants us to be disciples of Jesus, but disciples who go and make disciples. Now let's um, let's see kind of how this links with the ascension. So there's two things. The first is um, around the whole idea of authority. So if you looking back at verse 19 in Matthew 28, it says, "Therefore go." Therefore, of what do we go? Um, we, we, the therefore is following on from verse 18, where it says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. So the Great Commission is dependent on the authority of Christ. Okay, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. And, um, and so we're going to see how the ascension plays into that. Firstly, just um, in Daniel... We get, um, we get a prophetic vision of what's going to happen at the ascension. So I don't think this is on the screen. Sorry, I'm just going to read it out. Daniel 7, 13 to 14. Um, As my vision continued that night, I saw someone like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. So there's that cloud again. He approached the ancient one and was led into his presence. He was given authority, honor, and serenity over all the nations of the world so that people of every race and nation and language would obey him. His rule is eternal, it will never end. His kingdom will never be destroyed. His kingdom will never be destroyed. So the one who was going to be um, taken on the cloud, um, coming on the clouds and taken to the very presence of God is going to be the, the one who had all authority, honor and sovereignty, and through him every race and nation and language would obey. Um, Paul also makes this connection in, in Ephesians 1, um, Ephesians 1, 19 to 22. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in, believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. The Jesus ascension was the, is like the consummation of his resurrection and, and took him to the right hand of the father and seated there with the father in the heavenly realms. And it's because of that 
He has authority over all things in heaven and on earth. He is the head of all things, it says there, for our benefit. So Jesus is king. That's what these verses are saying. Jesus has authority. And he's not just, that's not just like a future thing. It is a reality now. Jesus is king now. Like even in this in-between space, even when the world feels up and down, even when sometimes that feels true and sometimes it doesn't, Jesus is king, even if there is so much to suggest otherwise. And because he is king, because he is on the throne, because he has all authority, we can have confidence in who he says we are and what he says we can do. So the ascension that um, Jesus going into the heavenly place, being seated at the right hand of the Father, that is what gave Jesus his authority over all things. And because of that authority, we are commissioned to be disciples who make disciples. So that was the first space we see the ascension in the Great Commission. The second is to do with um, presence and power. So um, we love this verse, or I love this verse, and I'm sure you've, you've said it a lot, you know, um, 28, 20, it says, um, Jesus says, behold, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so um, he, uh, he references kind of his authority before giving the commands to the disciples. Then he gives the commission. And then he sort of, he wraps it up by saying, and it's going to be great because I'm going to be with you always. Which seems like an odd thing to say when you're about to disappear. Or if we understand it like that, you know, if you're thinking, right, I'm just going to get on my cosmic cloud and go on the elevator to the sky and see you guys later. Have a good time. That those two things don't seem to go together. Do I'm with you always until tomorrow when I'm not. But this isn't what's happening. We know this isn't what's happening. And Paul spells it out for us in Ephesians 4.10. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. The same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he may fill the whole entire universe with himself. The ascension wasn't Jesus going home and leaving us to it. It was the way in which he would fill the entire world with himself. It was his way of ensuring that his presence would be with us always at all times by his spirit. This is what the disciples were waiting for at Pentecost. Jesus says, I'm going to go up so that the spirit can come down. And it's better. It's better that I do it because actually then I'm going to fill the entire universe with my presence by my spirit. So there is, there is nowhere that Jesus is not. There is nowhere that Jesus is not. And not just in an abstract sense, you know, like, well, of course God is everywhere. But actually in a really personal way. Like for us as individuals, for us as communities, there is nowhere that we can go that Jesus is not present with us by his spirit. Behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And so, you know, just those famous verses as, as Joshua in the Old Testament, he was about to step into the promised land, wasn't he? And in Joshua 1, God says, and be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, for I'm with you, I'm going with you. It's the same for us. Like actually, as we stand on the cusp of the things that God's asked us to step into, he's like, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous because I'm with you. I'm with you always to the end of the age. 
And so we can take we can take courage from that. We can take comfort from that. But we also take power from it. Like Jesus says, wait for the Spirit because the Spirit will fill you with power from on high. It's not just a kind of like, oh, pumping us up and feeling good. But actually there is power in the Spirit that he's releasing to us. In that same passage from Ephesians 1 that we read out, just reading 19 and 20 again. I pray also that you will understand the incredible greatness for God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. He says it elsewhere in Romans, you know, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives in you and I. Because Jesus is in heaven and his spirit is with us. And this is why Jesus told the disciples to wait in Acts 1. He's like, he's like I'm going, the kingdom is coming, you're going to be my witnesses, but you need to wait because you need the spirit. Because you need its power, because you cannot do this on your own. Like, look around at the disciples. Like, actually, they've, you know, the two big heroes in, the, in Acts, one is a, you know, ex-terrorist. And one of them, we looked last week, just kept messing up. And like, are these guys going to create a, a sort of epoch-defining move, social movement? Probably not. But Jesus says, this is going to happen, and it's my power that's going to do it. So that's why you need to wait, because I need to fill you with me, because it's me that's going to do it. So the ascension, basically, it bookends the Great Commission. So we have the authority at the start, and we have the promise of presence at the end. And it's just like, without those things, it's just not going to work. Like, it, is, it sounds like a good idea, and it sounds like something that we can fire ourselves up with. But actually, like, who are we to think that we could take the gospel to the ends of the earth in and of ourselves? But with God, but with God, but with the power of his spirit, with Jesus with us always, are not all things possible? Are not all things under his authority? Will not one day everything be made new? And every knee bow at the name of Jesus and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Like, is that not what he's promised? And we can get discouraged and think, ah, oh, like, just how? Like, and I know I ought to do this a bit more and I should, you know, be a better disciple and I should tell people about Jesus a bit more. And, and it's, we're just drawn back to our own strength and like, what can I muster up? What energy have I got? What almost like what social pressure is going to drive me so that I can share a testimony? Like we sort of lean on those things. But actually Jesus says, wait, I'll fill you with my spirit and then you'll be my witnesses. Because I'm with you always, I can do more than you can ask or imagine. Is not the impossible possible with God? And so it's like, well, what now? And I think... It feels like a pretty basic message. And in essence, what I'm saying is the Great Commission is possible. Which is, you know, divine revelation on a Sunday morning. But actually, if we don't think it is, we're not going to do anything about it. You know, do I actually believe that I can be a disciple of Jesus? Do I actually believe that there are other people that would say yes to him? Do I actually believe that God is, is doing stuff from here into the ends of the earth? Because if we don't, then, then we're not going to play a part in it. And we know it's the right answer, 
because it's in the Bible. And so we'll be able to be, oh, yes, this is really important. And we'll be, we'll be able to kind of intellectually affirm it. But if we don't actually believe it's going to happen, then we're not, we're, we in, as individuals are probably not going to, it's not going to do much. It's not going to move the needle much in our lives. And um, I think really, and, and I think this is, I think what, this is what God's calling us to, to respond to today is um, it's about faith. Like, what do we have faith for? I think the the key for us to step into um, what God wants to do in us and through us and around us is faith. Because faith paves the way. It actually, it creates, it creates provision. It's like, it, it's a statement like, yeah, God, I can't see it just yet, but I believe I believe it's true, and I believe actually that you are going to supply that everything is needed for this. And so I think the first thing we need to ask ourselves is, do we have faith that, that we, that you and I, can be disciples? Because it's really possible to be in church and not be a disciple. Like, really, really possible. Even thinking that, you know, I mentioned how when Jesus gave the Great Commission, there's 500 people there, probably more. How many people were in, the, were, in the, were in the upper room? 120. So already, I don't even I don't know the time difference, but it's not long, like days. We've got 500 people that are in and around Jesus, are kind of in that group, but there's only 120 that have actually obeyed His command to go and wait. And so, not making too much of a big deal about the numbers, but. It basically just to say proximity with Jesus is it's easy to be in and around him. It's easy to be in and around church. You can be with his people and not be his disciple. And so, um, but again, this, this isn't just to try and be like, try and point the finger at anyone. It's to ask us, do we have faith? Like, like people are around Jesus for a reason. We're in, this, we're in this community together for a reason because there's life here. God is doing something here. But do we have faith that actually we could be one of those people that says yes to Jesus fully and completely? That we can make a declaration that, um, that I'm with Jesus. I believe in him. I trust him as my Lord and Savior, no matter what it costs, because he's worth it. You know, do we have faith that the spirit is working in our lives? even in the ups and the downs, even when we're feeling like we're messing everything up, do we have faith that the Spirit is producing fruit in our lives? Because it's God that does it. It's He that produces fruit. It's Him that's transforming us from glory to glory. Do we have faith that He's doing that, or is it just dependent on how well we think we're doing at that particular moment? Like, do I have faith even that I could grow, that I could change, or do I just think, this is just me. This is how I live my life. This is what it looks like day to day. But do I have faith that what, what if actually there was a new way of, a new practice that I could bring into my life? A new way of praying, a new way of being with Jesus. Do we have faith that that could happen? And similarly, like, do we have faith that Jesus could use us to make disciples? So I was just thinking, there's probably two areas in my life where I'm not primarily around church folk. Um which is um, the football team that I play in 
um, shout out the Manchester Titans and um, the football team that Ben plays in, shout out the Kingsway Athletic um, and the sort of the parents that are in that. And I will, you know, like being someone who's employed by church, it's really easy to talk about church. So everyone will know that I'm a Christian because, you know, uh, I'm a pastor. And like, what, what does that mean? So there's a thing. But and, um, you know, I've had one opportunity to pray with someone that got injured. I, I've probably had thousands of opportunities. I took one opportunity to pray with someone that got injured. Um, and there's the guy in the football, the guy in the football team that I've, you know, said, yeah, it'd be great, you know, come along to church. So it's not like I'm not doing anything, but really I was just thinking last night, do I have faith that God will want to use me in that space to actually make disciples? And as I actually sat there yesterday, I don't know if I have because, because my activity in that space would suggest that I don't. Is that I'm very happy to like, I'm, like, should, would someone come to me? Like, yes, I'll talk about going to church. You know, you know someone said, what do I, must I do to be saved? Like, yes, let's go for it. Let's do it. But am I actually, even just in, do I, am I praying for those guys? Am I thinking, do you know what? There's actually, Jesus is so good. He has the answers for the things that you need. There, are, There is something in your heart that is longing for eternity, and it is Jesus. And I know the answer to that, and I'm not giving it to you. Is it because I'm mean and horrible? I don't think so. Is it because I'm scared? Probably a little. But is it actually, do I actually have faith that God wants to do this? Or do I just enjoy it for what I get out of it? Because I get to come and have a nice time and, and that kind of stuff. You know, do I have faith that my testimony would encourage someone? That actually, if I offered to pray, that they would say yes, and that God would do something. Like, do I have faith for all of that? And um, and maybe you're like, ah, oh, maybe yes, yes, I do. It's great. Bless you. Grow in that. And it's maybe like, oh, I want that faith. And the great thing that that Jesus says is, you know, you do not have because you do not ask. Like we can ask for faith. But sometimes it's, it's probably even one step before that when it's like, I don't know if I have it. I don't know if I want it, but I do know that I want to want it. I know that I really want to want this. And so again, you know, Jesus meets us where we're at. We don't need to put on pretenses and we're like, God, will you make a fire burn in me? that says, I want to have faith that you can and will use me to make disciples from here and to the ends of the earth. And the thing that I think kind of goes alongside it and what I feel is at the heart of what God is asking for us this morning is that commitment comes before power. In sort of like the whether or like obeying Jesus' command comes first. He said to the disciples, Go and wait, and then I will fill you with power. Like their commitment to him came first and then he moved. And so I just I think there's always an invitation. there is there is always something we can do. It's like, God, I'm with you. And even if that is something, is just I want to want you more. I want to want to have more faith. That is amazing because our faith is rooted in the fact that it's God who does it all anyway. It's Jesus who is on the throne. It's his spirit that is at work in us and through us. It's his presence. It's his power 
It's not our strength. It's not our might. It's not our ideas. It's not our good intentions. It's not our good answers. It's him. And so wherever we are on that journey, it doesn't matter. But we need to step towards him. We need to go. We need to move. God is immediately available to anyone. God is immediately available to us when the door is open to him. And so I think this morning, I just think there's a fresh commissioning for us to be disciples and to make disciples. But it's one that we receive by faith and one that we need to step into. So um, I'd love for us to respond. So um, it'd be great if you could stand up. And I've been thinking all week, it's like, ah, oh, I want to find like this really powerful and significant kind of corporate moment that we could do. Like, I was like, is this, you know, some kind of like activation? And, um, and I think it's just simply, um, let's make ourselves available to God. And what I would love to do is if you're up for this, if you're up for like, I want to be a disciple, I want to make disciples. Or I want to want to do those things. Like, Jesus, give me more faith for your work in my life. Give me your faith for the, for the work that you want to do in this world. I, like, I would love you to come and stand at the front. And we're going to pray together. So if, if that's you, I would love you to come, to come to the front. Because I think even this movement, it's almost like this is me prophesying to myself. This is my body. It's an opportunity for my body to say my thoughts, my will, the things that I care about, my spirit, the world around me. It's like I'm going to move and I want to be part of this. And um, I want us to, um, yeah, keep coming, guys. That'd be amazing. If you make some space, lots of people come in. And um, I want to do this together. So why don't just as you're coming out, get into twos and threes. Um, and we're going to pray for each other. So just find, um, find like two, yeah, get in two or threes. And then, yeah, keep going if you guys want to make some space. And then um, feel free to pray where you are as well. And then um, let's just pray for each other. Pray for, and, um, pray for one another as Jesus' disciples. Pray that he who began a good work in us will see it through to completion that the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is alive in us. Pray the truth that we've been transformed from glory to glory, that we would not be ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God to save. So let's just do that for a moment. So um, when, yeah, feel free to lay a hand on each other's shoulder if that's, you're comfortable with that and just, just pray for one another. Pray those things.
for each other. And just start, um, start to commission one another. Pray for God to send you. Pray for God to bring to mind the people that, that he's calling you to reach out to, whether that's individuals or groups. And again, just some scriptures to help you pray. It's the will of God that everyone should come to know him. It's God's will that everyone should know him. God set eternity in the hearts of people. People are longing for him. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. Jesus is making all things new. So just pray for each other that you be commissioned with the authority of Jesus and be led by his presence and be filled with his power. And that as individuals and as a church, we would go and make disciples of all nations. We had faith that God would use us that he would make a way that we lay down any sense of striving any sense of performance any sense of duty or obligation but trust that the the natural moving of the spirit would be towards people in love just keep praying boldness, pray for courage, just awareness of God's spirit, trust in him, desire for faith. Just pray for all of those things. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk or follow us on Instagram. God bless and see you soon.